even if uh, somebody doesn't know what's going on yet, if, even if they don't know what the need was, I pray that you would meet that need before it even comes up. I pray that you would remind us that you are right there in the midst of everything that's going on in our lives, even if we don't see you or feel you. I thank you in advance for the testimonies that will come out of each situation that everyone is going through tonight. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, I have the distinct honor tonight of introducing our guest speaker, Cindy Mangrum. Cindy is not a stranger to Bethel Temple. Uh, they have been here for a long time. Cindy's had the opportunity to share her heart before. So, Cindy, if you'd come, we'd just like give her a big round of applause. We're excited to hear what you have on your heart. Thank you. Hi, guys. Hi, Karen. My friend back there, she's the sweetest thing. How is everyone? Well, I am extremely excited to be here. Um, if anyone does not know me, my name is Cindy Mangrum. My husband, Terry, should be in choir, but he thinks he should come and hear me speak. But I figured he gets enough of my talking every day, but I guess this is, he's got to get a little more. So I just wanted to say hi and welcome. And yes, we have been at Bethel for quite a while, and it's, it's home, it's second family, it's every, every place I want to be on Wednesdays, Tuesday mornings, Sundays, you name it, I want to be here. So I first of all want to ask, how many were at church Sunday morning? Let me tell you something, that Sunday morning was, I think, what a lot of us needed. I was so powerful, I just went home just feeling so refreshed. I felt the Holy Spirit. He was so strong moving. I was extremely excited to be at church Sunday after what, um, with Callie and everything and him being so faithful, I just felt like I needed to be here, and it was amazing. So it was just so good. So, But like Devin said, I guess you all all know I'm here. Pastor Mike is out of town, so keep them in your prayers, him and Sheila getting some nice rest and such. But... I've got to tell y'all this story. So um, I don't like to see myself on video. During Vacation Bible School, Miss Peggy loved to video, and she'd go, hey, can I put this shoe of you? And I went, no, I don't like to see myself anywhere, as much less, you know, this is, I don't mind speaking to people, but I don't want to see myself. But then I got to thinking, my grammar doesn't, not that great a lot, so I decided I'm going to go and watch a little bit and see how I was the last time I was here, and uh, just kind of to see if I looked stupid, I sound stupid, or whatever. So what you don't know about me is I have these two little words I can't get corrected. So Terry knows it because he corrects me all the time, and there has and as. Am I saying it right? Has and as. So I know as soon as possible, or, oh, she has a new dress. So, but when I get to talking really fast, so I went up to Terry and I said, oh, did I really mess up that bad? He goes, yeah, you kind of did. So I said, it's okay. I, it's all right. And I said, I thought about it and I said, listen, I know Sister LaFawn is gone and she would email Pastor and so I said, okay, I know I see Miss Paula's a school teacher, and I know there may be some more, but just don't email me. Oh, Miss Teresa's back there, too, so she could correct me. But um, I'll try to do a little bit better. In fact, when I was doing my lesson, I was like, ooh, don't use that word because you may not be using it right. So, but as usual, you know, I was hoping life would slow down. But how many of you seen my new grandbaby, my new little miracle? So I just want to thank you as the church for praying for them. Um, baby, mama, or daddy are doing good. I saw him today. He's a, he's a little frowny bear, but he's cute. Um, and of course, I, you know, I was hoping everything would slow down, got the baby here, but then there's the holidays. And something else you need to know about me. I love the holidays. I hate decorating. I despise it with everything within me. When everyone's like, ooh, Halloween's over. It's time to put up Christmas decorations. No. Can I just cook Thanksgiving and then we'll move on? But no. I love the holidays. I love Christmas. I love celebrating the season. But 
yeah, no, I'm just really not ready for that, but that's just a little something about me, and just thought I'd share to kind of get my nerves a little bit going, and uh, anyway, um, that that's enough, enough of me, I'm going to move on, so I did something different that I normally do. You know, when Pastor Mike said, will you fill in for me? I said, sure. And so I had a thought in my mind I'm going to do. So I got busy going and going and going. But my spirit just, so once I started going, it just kind of stalled. I couldn't really keep going with what I wanted to talk about. And so I scrapped it. I I put it in the save for later file. But I said, man, it's just not resonating with my spirit. There wasn't something, and I wasn't happy about it. And so um, on October the 30th, the day that Jameson was born, I realized what God wanted me to share with you. Um, and even though it left me little over a week to work on, going back and forth to the hospital, because like Callie was in the hospital from a Sunday to a Friday, uh, I'd have to work and go check on them. And so I was like, I got to get really busy. And so this one word and this one song was my go-to song during the whole time with Callie. It's a newer song, but then the more the pr- more it came time for her to have her baby, this song just kept resonating. And so tonight I'm going to start with one passage of scripture, and it'll lead me into my lesson. And of course, that one is Psalms 34, verse 4. And it was, I sought the Lord, and he heard me, and he delivered me from all my fears. Would you bow with me, please? Father God, Lord, we just come before you right now, just wanting to just be in your presence today, Lord, that... We are here to seek you and to hear a word from you tonight, God. I thank you for the opportunity to come before you. And, Lord, may my, my words be pleasing to you, and I thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. So, like I said, you might recognize this scripture. Actually, it's now a song. It's very famous. In fact, our choir has been singing a lot of it. They, sing, they sang it on Sunday. Um, it's my favorite song right now. I am so grateful to Pastor Brent that I know it's got to be difficult that you go all week and you're like, what do I bring to the table for people on Sunday morning? What do they need to hear to bring them into the presence of God? And I'm so thankful for him that he listens to the Holy Spirit and he knows what we need to hear. In fact, I thought every song that the choir brought Sunday just brought it. The Holy Spirit was so strong that day. The altar was full. People just leaving it here for Jesus to handle, for them not to have to worry about anymore. So, of course, the one word that stuck out to me is the word sought. I sought the Lord. So, through this season of Callie and what we've been going through with her and her pregnancy, I'm not going to lie. It's probably going to be the probably the one time that I understood what sought means. I literally had to seek him every day. I had to make sure. I didn't have to make sure, but I had to make sure that I was letting God know, hey, God, this is at your feet now. This is for you. This, I can't do this anymore. The doctors can't do this anymore. And so that's, you know, the one time that I had to really be faithful in seeking him. So, of course, it got me to thinking, "Mm, there's tons of people in the Bible that sought the Lord. And then I got to thinking, but who sought after the Lord to the extent it didn't matter how they got to Jesus, they were getting to him. All the resources were gone. All the money was gone. And a little hint, all she could cling to was the stories that she had heard. And she knew he was her only hope. And, of course, I'm going to talk about the lady with the issue of blood. Now, this story is just a remarkable story to me. I know it's kind of like, ugh. You know, I get it. But it's in the Bible. It was very important that it got in there. She was nameless. She had no name. She was just a lady. 
Um, but yet her story to this day has touched so many. A lot of the Bible characters in the stories in the Bible don't have names. So, for instance, the boys with the loaves, the two, you know, the loaves and the fishes, he has no name. The lady at the well, probably another famous one. The widow with her jar of oil. They didn't have names, but they have stories. But God did that for a reason. We're not to focus on the name, you know, because the I can say, yeah, you remember the boy with the fishes and the loaves? You know who? If I said, hey, you remember Jimmy in the Bible? Y'all would all go, huh, who's Jimmy? Or maybe the lady at the well. Maybe her name was uh, Lucy. And you're like, yeah, you remember Lucy from the Bible? No, no, but... But you do remember the lady at the well. So I think that's the part of it is it wasn't the name as near as important as the deed that brought glory to God. That's the importance of all these stories is the glory it brought him. So if you have your Bible, I know or you might have your phone. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to read the story, but I'm going to read it from the Amplified Bible because I like it. It really amplifies the story. And so I'm going to read starting in verse Mark 5, starting in verse 25. A woman in the crowd had suffered from a hemorrhage for 12 years and had endured much suffering at the hands of many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was not helped at all, but instead she grew worse. She had heard reports about Jesus, and she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his outer robe. For she thought, if I just touch his clothing, I will get well. Immediately her flow of blood was dried up, and she felt in her body and knew without a doubt that she was healed of her suffering. Immediately, once again, we got that word, immediately, Jesus recognizing in himself that the power had gone out from him, turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? His disciples said to him, uh, you see this crowd pressing in around you from all sides, and you ask who touched me? Still, he kept looking around to see the woman who had done it. And the woman, though she was afraid and trembling, aware of what had happened to her, came and fell down before him. Then he said to her, daughter, your faith, your personal faith and confidence in me has restored you to health. Go in peace and be permanently, not temporarily, permanently healed from your suffering. You know, so earlier, did you pick up on the word? I, I think I missed that. I missed a part of my lesson, guys. I'm sorry. But I'm going to go back and recap. So I went and looked up the word sought. And, of course, the word of sought is to acquire, to gain, or even means hunted, searched, chased down. Okay. So, she chased down Jesus. It didn't matter. She was getting to him. First of all, 12 years. I, that's a long time not to be well, especially with that type of chronic illness. I know people that have had illnesses like that, and I know it's just can't be, it's got to be unbearable. But, of course, I know people who can't go a day with a runny nose or a cough, and they're calling the doctor. And here she is, 12 years. She was alone and outcast from society. She had no friends. No one was inviting to her party or a cookout, no lunch. No lunch with the girls or a date to Starbucks <laughs> or the local whatever it was. This woman was known to be unclean due to the law from Leviticus. Now, I read this to Terry while we were at lunch today, and he goes, is all that in the Bible? Because Leviticus is a lot of rules. And I said, yep, yep. So he was just like, wow, that's crazy. I'm like, no, it's in there. Because in Le Leviticus 15.25, it says, and I'm going to read this one from the New Living Translation. And I need to get me an iPad. Well, Terry does have one, but I need it too. So this is the reason why 
she had to be an outcast. So if a woman has a flow of blood for many days that is unrelated to her menstrual period, or if the blood continues beyond the normal period, she is ceremonially unclean. As during her menstrual period, the woman will be unclean as long as the discharge continues. She was ceremonially unclean. She couldn't, no one could be around her. It was just not what the law required. The law would not allow this. So she knew that she would have to always be an outcast. She was not allowed in the temple to worship. She was treated poorly by the Jewish people. Very sad, lonely existence. Now, I'm a loner. I don't mind being alone, but I think about after a good month, I'd be kind of lonely and needing some communication and some talking with people. But this lady had been beat down, very sad existence, tired physically and mentally. And, of course, with all the money's gone and no help from physicians, she might have even started trying even crazy things. You know, she, fortune tellers, maybe she looked to magic. I, I don't know. The Bible doesn't say, but we can, you know, think about anything in our head. But she knew, all she knew was her illness was getting worse. But she had heard of a man, a man that could work miracles. And so her she kind of started going, I know I can get to him. I just got to try. So we read in verse 26, 365 days, 12 years. That's 4,380 days of her illness. But like she said, Jesus was traveling around. She could start hearing the mumbles and the grumbles. So she knew she had to get to Jesus. And then she had to put and attach her hope to the one who kept doing all these healings and these miracles. She was seeking Jesus. But a thought crept in. If only I could touch his clothing. I don't need to touch him physically because I don't want to make him unclean. But I bet if I could just get touch his clothing, just a smidget, I could be healed. I love her thought process. I love the fact that she's thinking of ways to keep Jesus safe, but yet get her healing. I'm going to get to Jesus. I'm going to get to Jesus. So here she is in the middle of a town, Jesus surrounded by hundreds, maybe even thousands of people. But she's going to touch his garment because this woman's on a mission. And how many of you know when a woman's on a mission, we ain't going to stop, right? When I'm on a mission, nothing's going to stop me. I'm getting that done. So I kind of picture like a scene, though. Let's get this scene going on. How many of you know who Taylor Swift is? Or how many of you know she's the most popular pop star on the planet? Your granddaughters know, trust me. I don't know. Maybe you know who else could be famous enough right now that y'all would be like, oh, my goodness. So she's got bodyguards all around her, and nobody can get to her. This is what I kind of picture with Jesus. And so... He's got his own bodyguard, so they're all the crowds are pushing in. Verse 24 says, everyone's wanting to get to Jesus. But then she gets a glimpse. She gets a glimpse of Jesus. And so maybe at some point it got so bad with all the people that she gets pushed down. You know, people just shoving her because they know who she is. She's known. And people are like, get away, get away. We don't want you here. And then maybe she falls and she crawls and she crawls. And she's like, I got to get closer. Pressing in, she gets closer and closer. Because, see, Jesus wasn't going to come to her. And that's why we seek God. We've got to seek God. We've got to get to him. He's going to come to us once we start seeking him. But at this point, once again, I, I love this. She had to put and attach her hope to someone who she knew had that track record of miracles, and it was Jesus. Step by step, crawl by crawl, running, clawing, pressing her way through, and she was going to get there. Now, I know what a crowd is like like that. We go to an OU Texas game every year at Texas at the State Fair, Texas. We leave that stadium and we are like this. We are like 
just moving like this. And it's scary. It's scary. You're just like, I can't move. And so I figured this is like the crowd. But and and so she's, you know, you can't even, I, I lost Terry even. I'm like, where is he? I, and, but yet this woman keeps her eye. She keeps her eye looking for Jesus. And she was fighting her way to Jesus. And then she sees him. It's her chance. It's now or never. And she touches her clothing, his clothing, just that little bit. I forgot to bring the, when we went to Israel, uh, we bought a what something that they would have worn in just that fringe I mean I wanted to bring it because you think about on his clothing just that fringe and that's what she touched and the Bible said immediately can you imagine that faith immediately it dries up she felt it and she knew without a doubt she had been healed and her suffering was over But the story gets better because in mid-stride, with thousands of people pressing in on Jesus, wanting to see him and touch him, he's famous. Can you imagine the stories that have gone around, the healings that have got people? You know, he was going, trying to make his way to a sick little girl, and and he was trying his best, but then he stops mid-stride and goes, who touched me? And then she turns around, recognizing that the power had gone out from him. And he asked in verse 30, who touched me? Now, I don't know. I've asked you all this before. How many of you have watched The Chosen? Anybody? There's the scene. This is the scene in this story. And, I, you know, the disciples... Peter, James, and John, I mean, if you can see them, they're like, what? I mean, their look is like, are you serious right now? Do you see all these people? And Peter has got, he is hilarious. I hope Peter has this much sarcasm when we get to heaven because he is, this guy is great. He's so funny. And he's like, uh, okay, Jesus, you see all these people, right? You see, they're all touching you. They're all wanting to get to you. But in verse 32, it says, but Jesus knows he keeps looking. Because I think once he sees, he's going to know. He's going to know, and he keeps looking. And although she was afraid and trembling, fully aware of what had happened, she came forward, and she fell at his feet. I want to know, though, think about this. Have you ever been... Have you ever been in children's church and you try to get their attention? I mean, how long did it take everybody in that crowd to hush so she could literally fall at his feet and he could hear her? I don't know. It's kind of amazing to think that, you know, she spoke up. Did he hear her or were the crowds just grumbling going, what are you doing? We got, you got to go. You got to go. And then she told him the truth. It was me, I promise I only touch the fringe of your garment, only the edge. I promise you are not unclean, but I've been sick for so long. Oh, I can't imagine just just the caring, the love that just exuded Jesus at that moment. You know, he was such a kind God, still loving God. But then, why the hem of the garment? Jesus asked. I just believed If I could just touch just the hem of your garment, I would be healed. And I am. It's all gone. She's just so excited. So that day, our unnamed friend sought the Lord, truly sought the Lord. And then I looked up sought and seek in the Hebrew and what it meant in the Hebrew. And one word that came out to me was beg. Beg. I literally believe that that hadn't happened, but yet she got to Jesus. She would have begged him, please, Lord, heal me. Because I know we, we get weary of our hard times, of our trials, our worries. And we just want to beg God, just please take it away. Just take all this away. And we can finally, you know, 
put our hope in God when we seek him. We want, this, we want it to stop the struggles, the disappointments, because those can truly stink. <laughs> Nobody wants them. We don't want to get older. We don't want to hurt. We don't want to have to deal with our kids, you know, when they mess up. You know, we're, we're over that. We just want to just be here in the moment. But some days we find ourselves begging God to take this away. You know, I, I continue to share my journey with Callie. I don't really have a testimony. I mean, I've been through some things in my life that I don't really care to share. Maybe one day God will lay it on my heart to share it. And that time, those few times that always resonate with me begging God, I know that's what it was. It took me truly seeking him and asking him, God, please, just just let it happen for her. I know it's thy will, God, but please just do this. And it was the season I needed, actually, because the season really started something in me. Even though I've been to three years of DSOM trying to learn to become a pastor and learning more Bible, I learned more through that season with Callie than my whole life of having a Bible in my face from the minute I was born till here I am now. Because that trust in a living God is what I need. So verse 34 says, Jesus calls her daughter. Yeah. He calls her daughter. Your faith, he says this, your faith has made you well. Your personal trust and confidence in me has restored you to health. This is so big to me because daughter means you're a part of a family. I'm a daughter. I have a dad. My dad loves me unconditionally. I have messed up with my dad when I was younger, and I put him through some stuff, but that man, my daddy, never stopped loving me. He calls her daughter. For so long, she was an outcast. She had no family. She had no friends. But Jesus, what does he do? Immediately takes her in and makes him a part of the family. That, to me, is the best part of this whole story because he tells her to go in peace. Your suffering is over. And I'm pretty sure she sat there on that road, wherever that was, and just sat there immersed in his love and just knowing what had happened to her. That's how I feel on a Sunday when God touches me and I go home and I'm just immersed in his love and his kindness and his goodness. Healing words, and for her a new chance, a new beginning, and her story to spread like wildfire, and a testimony for her on what, how truly God was and how good Jesus was to her. But of course, let's remember though, that healing wasn't found in that garment. It was just that faith she had that if I can just touch the hem of Jesus, that's where her healing would be found in her faith. Now, the Bible is constantly telling us, though, to never stop seeking God. So many Bible verses that tell us this. Psalms 9:10. Those who know your name trust in you, for you, O Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. I believe that, truly. <laughs> Lamentations 3:25. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. Another one is Psalms 119.2. Blessed are those who keep his statues and seek him with all their heart. You know, this may be kind of snooty. I don't know, maybe arrogant. Devin may tell me later, yes, and you shouldn't have said that. Um, but I don't really think it's that hard to seek God. I mean, yeah, it takes commitment and it takes discipline, but every day as Christians, especially in this day and age we're in, we need to be constantly seeking after God. But some of us don't take that time. He's so readily available, and he wants to hear from us. There should be no excuse. And but a lot of Christians, and, and I'm just as guilty too, is, is I do let other things take priority 
before I seek God. I've discovered, though, in my seeking and studying, mornings are not when I want to. It's more evening times. I got too much on my brain in the morning. Like, I got to go do this, and I got to do this. And I want to give God 100% of me. And a lot of why we don't seek him is our mindset. Like I said, we get too busy. Everyday struggles come in. I'm, you, you get up, and you're like, okay, I'm going to give God 30 minutes. Well, the phone will ring, and so a grandkid or a, a daughter, someone goes, I need you to come and do this. Or, or the office calls, and, and there I'm off again. So it's in our mindset. We have to prioritize time with God. Maybe it's our pride. Maybe we don't think we need him as much as we think, you know. You know, we're getting up older. Oh, I worship God all those years ago. He knows I love him. But it doesn't matter. Young, old, middle age, upper age, he still wants to hear from us. We're his, we're his children. And maybe our appetite is, we've lost our appetite for God. Maybe he's not as important. And we can do life without him. And so that's when pride sets in and arrogance sets in. But we know, but here's what we know. When we do seek God, we find contentment. We can find strength. We find peace, power, all these things. So I think it's very, you know, we need to. Just like her, she sought God. He was her only hope. And, you know, this year alone, I've seen many miracles and prayers answered in our church body. I've been a part of those miracles. You know, I was thinking about prayers that I have prayed over the years. You know, they say keep a little chart of them. You know, she goes, oh, God answered that. God answered that. And it's not just if you pray it. He still remembers it. For years, we prayed, God, will you? Trenton and Sarah wanted to have a son that, um, my daughter, and uh, they sit here. I have prayed faithful for my son and daughter to be involved in this church. And guess what they do Sundays? They teach Sunday school. I'm a, and Mr. Terry back there has loved my son Trenton probably longer than I have because I've wanted to kill Trent on several occasions. And Terry would come up to me and go, I'm praying for Trent. And so guess whose prayers have been answered? Terry's prayers because he sees Trent. He sees Trent. Trenton and Sarah are teaching Sunday school. They are faithful. I, and, and just like praying for, you know, when they got number three, here comes Hattie Grace. Didn't find out she was a girl. Oh, there's another girl. But it was God's timing. I can ask God all day long, will you give them a son? Will you give them a son? But it was his timing. Just like Terry knows, it was God's timing to put Trenton in exactly where he needs. They don't even want to miss Sunday school because they love teaching those little guys. That's how good I know God is because when you continue to seek him like that, it's not your timing, it's his for the right season. So it just just makes my heart so proud, so proud. And Callie, who'd have thunk she would have been children? You know, it broke her heart to not be children's pastor anymore, but I think she knows now that it's time to be a mommy for a little bit. And God will put her back. God will put her back when it's time. So I just have a few ways to how we can seek after God. Number one, our prayer life. No more to be said. Get on your knees. He's looking. He's listening. Jeremiah 29, 12 through 13. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. God knows what we need before he even asks. He just wants you to hear him ask it. He, he wants you to ask him, you know, Tell me out loud. Be specific. Count my prayers on Tuesdays before the baby was born. God, give her an easy delivery. God, be with him. Be, be with the baby. Keep him safe. You know, all these things. Specific. Be with my children. Keep my children safe. Lord, protect my plumbers at all costs. You know, it's just what I do. But we, we have to seek God and pray to him. And like I said, specifically ask. Not to impress or to inform but to invite him in. He wants to be invited in. Let him sit at your table. Do all those things. Then when we do this, we grow and learn to depend on him. I am nothing without him. I can't go a day in my life now without knowing that he is right there with me. 
And then we grow. We learn to depend on him. We, we never want to take advantage of God's goodness or take it. Grant, I think I'm repeating myself, but that's okay. He wants to do good things for you. And he will answer those prayers in accordance to his will. Number two, worship. That's my fave. That's my fave. I just love worship at Bethel Temple. I, uh, I visited my parents a couple months ago at the old Church of Christ. I love my friends at Church of Christ, but it took everything in me not to go, Woo! Oh, it got tough. The pastor, the preacher, they call them preachers. He almost said that, and I went, oh, don't do that. They'll throw a a communion thing at you, Cindy, but it still didn't matter. I still was in the presence of God and with my mom and dad, and it was good. But I just love worshiping God. Psalm 63, 1 through 4, oh, God, oh, that was a typo, 63, 1. Oh, God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you. This song, this psalm opens up with a passionate longing for God. And the singer clearly misses God and longs to be with him. That's what we should do, long to be with him. He misses his experience with God. So worship brings us closer. Worship is going to bring us into this presence with God. Continually, in your car, when you're singing those worship songs, when you're listening to your Christian radio, you're not listening to bad music. You're listening to Christian music that keeps Jesus in the middle. He keeps him there in your presence, keeps the enemy away. I love it when our choir and what Pastor Brent does. My husband knows it. As much as I would love for him to sit with me, I love to see him sing. Canaan, he likes his pawpaw and wants his pawpaw to hold him, but not during that time. But every time, song by song, we are ushered into God's presence and seeking him. And when our worship, it constantly reminds us what he has done for us. Y'all, there are so many songs on the radio right now that I just am overwhelmed with the songs that finally are telling us what Jesus is doing for us on a daily basis, being reminded of his goodness. Number three, set your heart and mind on God. 2 Thessalonians 3, 5, may the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and to the steadfastness of Christ. It's always a conscious choice to direct the heart towards God. It's not mental coasting. We're not just trying to mental mark all right. It's conscious. It's getting to him. It takes effort to continually seek him and to direct our mind and our hearts Godward in all our experiences We cry out to him, and this is what seeking means, to cry out to him. We should always have our minds set on things above and where Christ is seated next to God because every time you put that prayer up, Jesus grabs hold of it, and he tells God, this is what Denise needs. This is what Paula needs. This is what Terry and Christopher need. He's waiting. He's waiting to take those needs and dress them right straight to God. Isaiah 55, 6, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. This means if we truly desire to know God, he will reveal himself. We just need to be willing to seek with all our heart, mind, and soul. Lastly, what I said earlier, carve out time with him every day. If it's not in the morning, maybe at lunchtime, uh, maybe in the evening. I like the evening times. Um, I just can, you know, the day is over, shut the doors, the world is shut out. I can just think about what he's done and pray and thank him, read my Bible. First Chronicles 16, 11, seek the Lord in his strength. Seek his presence continually. Of course, like I said, we all get busy, life gets busy, but we should never be too busy to make time for God. And there will be times when we feel lost or unsure, but we can take comfort going that God is always with us. He is a loving and compassionate God. And I I thought about this, and I thought, you know, what if I only sought after Terry once a week? What if I gave only my attention to Terry or my children or my grandkids? I only got time for you once a week. I ain't got time for you, excuse my language, or my friend, my grammar there ain't. Um, but my relationship with Terry would be in deep trouble 
And that's why you have to nurture your relationship with Jesus. We, why wouldn't you want to spend time with the Savior of the universe? Uninterrupted time alone with God. He's waiting for you. He's he saved you. He created you. And that's all he's waiting. He deserves all we have. And he wants us, he wants to guide you on your journey. You, we all, I mean, we can wake up tomorrow and all heck could break loose. But if you're grounded, if you're grounded in him, he is going to take you and lead you. I, I, I just know. So the reason why this lesson meant so much to me is, you know, like I said, seeking after God for all that I, you know, what I kept forgetting is that God loved Callie more than I could even fathom. Now, everybody think on that. You give birth to a kid, and you think, no one can love this person more than me, but no, God does. And so, um, Callie's, Callie had to go to the hospital on October the 29th, and we went to the hospital, and you know, it's her story to tell, but I can tell what I dealt with that night. And it came to be midnight, and Callie had labored and labored and labored. And it got to be about midnight, 1 a.m. And I can just tell my daughter is, I'm losing my daughter. She is weary. She's tired. Well, we had an intern, doctor, two years intern, and about 1 a.m., they look at each other, looks at the nurse, and they go, go get the big doctor. We didn't have the big doctor yet. And so they go, and they get the big doctor, and the doctor comes in and looks at Callie and says, well, we're going to have to do an emergency C-section. And my heart just sank. I'm like, God, wait a minute. Now, that's not what I sat here and prayed for on all those Tuesdays, Sundays, Mondays, all through the week. And I was devastated. I mean, here my daughter, you know, I said, Callie, they put the baby right there. You'll get to see him. You know, we, I did all this planning, all this thinking, seeking God for Callie, seeking God for Jameson and all these things. And I was like, wow. But I didn't see the bigger picture. I didn't see the bigger picture. I looked this up on the internet. <laughs> internet. If you want to make God laugh, if you want to make God laugh, tell him about your plans. Did y'all know that was a quote from Woody Allen? Do y'all know who Woody Allen is? I was like, really? Woody Allen said that? Okay. I thought a bunch of people said it. but So I was like, okay, yeah, God, I know. I'm making you laugh, but, but that's not what I wanted you to do for her. I wanted you to make it easy for her. I wanted you to just give her this nice little little baby in her arms, and she'd rock. But then 2 a.m. came, and they took my daughter away. And I looked at Terry, and I said, I'm going to the chapel, and I'll be back. So I went to the chapel, 2, 2 a.m., no one in that hospital, found me a chapel. I put my song on. I sought the Lord, and he heard, and he answered. I sought the Lord. And he heard, and he answered, and it kept playing over, and I just keep playing it. I was just playing, God, why? Why is this happening? This is not what we planned. Cindy, I still love her more than you do. I'm not going to let anything happen to her. I've led you this far. Why am I going to take her down this path and leave you her hurt and you hurt? So... I sat there and I listened, and it was about 2.30, and, and I said, i got to go back. There's a whole lot more, but I'm not going to share that part. Um, I get back in the room, and I'm still not, in my, I'm still at, uh, uneasy. I guess that's just a mama, uneasy, looking for her baby. And then Callie comes rolling in, and she was, bless her heart, she was so out of it. She just labored and labored for so long. And Ian goes, I'm going to go to the NICU with... Uh, Jameson, are you okay? And I'm saying, yeah, I'm going to stay with my baby. You go with your baby. And uh, what we never, we, we prayed over Callie several times, and I knew God had her, but I lost sight of God and what his plan was. 
but we got to pick right back up. We got to have faith, and we got to know that God's grace took me, picked me right back up, and He pulled me through that situation. And He reminded me, Cindy, I'm not ever going to let her go. I'm not going to let you forever go. And so, even though the week still didn't go the way we wanted it to, the baby was in the NICU, and but then my friend Nancy and Karen, they would remind me, this is God's plan, Cindy. You've been trying to negotiate and try to tell God what to do, but maybe Callie needs extra time in there. Maybe God wants to make sure Jameson goes home completely and 100% healed. And I said, yeah, you're right. I had sought the Lord for so long over this, and he came and he stayed faithful. That baby's happy. That baby's healthy. Callie is thriving, and she's doing amazing. So the story of the lady, the bleeding woman, in the same way will interact with all of our stories. Because like her, we will need, we will find ourselves needing healing, needing deliverance, needing guidance. We will all need a touch. Instead of us, he will touch us the same way we want to touch him. I touch God when I need him, and he will touch me to let me know it's going to be okay. It's just so funny when I sat in that chapel and him just kept trying to tell me it's going to be okay, and I was arguing with him. I just find that hilarious now that I'm in such a, a place now that, you know, God continually to reminds me, stop, Cindy, stop. Look what I've done in your life and for your family. And I'm like, yeah, I know. So think of a time when you felt like you were at the end, at a time when all hope was lost. Bible stories are not telling us that we will always be healed or things will work out. But like the meticulous plan, but rather what it looks like to reach out to Jesus in times of pain, heartache, isolation, and loneliness in order to receive the gift of truth. You are beloved and known intimately by your creator. And that's what I was saying earlier. He knows your voice. He waits patiently for you to seek him. You know, it's just seek him now before things even happen. That's what one thing now I've really gotten good at is the more I pray and seek him and tell him that these are my worries, when things do come along, I'm not so caught off guard. I'm more at ease knowing that my God has taken care of it and has already worked it out. Are there issues that I still need answered prayer for? Yeah. But he'll answer it in his time. When we encounter God, when we seek God, we will be welcomed into his all-consuming presence. We will discover who we are made to be and who he has always seen us to be. He sees us how we are. So the start of the song, I Trust in God, goes like this. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. He's been the fourth man in the fire time after time. Born of his spirit, washed in his blood, and what he did for me on Calvary is more than enough. If he didn't answer any more of my prayers, if it was his will not to answer anything else, I am assured because he died for me on Calvary that I have hope and I have a, I have a life after this one. I tell people all the time, I had an employee lose his mother at 56 years old, and it was devastating for him. I didn't know what to tell him, and he said, Cindy, all I can think of is that God's taking my mom because he needs good people up in heaven. I said, Randy, the reason he's taking your mama is because I need for you to start working and getting yourself ready to go meet her in heaven. I said, you know, he's a kid. He doesn't go to church. And, you know, I, I tell him, and, you know, he knew his mom was saved. And I said, Randy, she's going to want to see you one day. 
and I love telling people that doesn't end here. We have a whole nother life after this. We are going to die one day, and we're going to wake up in heaven, ready to spend eternity with Jesus. And it starts when we seek his face, and we seek after him. So tonight, let me, I'm a little bit done early, but I guess that's okay. I would like to encourage you all to reach out and touch the fringe of Jesus' clothing. Let it be a reminder of his grace and his mercy, the forgiveness, the cleansing that comes from him. I hope Christ finds you wherever you are and let him meet you there, wherever it be at your lowest lows or your highest heights. Remember, he is only one touch away. He's literally that close. He's only one touch away. Reach for him, seek him, and he will hear, and he will answer. Father God, Lord, I'm just in awe of you for everything that you do, God. I'm so in awe of you of how you touch our lives and how you love us and you care for us and you continually day by day by day, you protect us and you love us. God, for your son that died on the cross for our sins, God, that we have eternal life just waiting for us and that all we have to do is to believe on him and we will have everlasting life, God. I thank you for the stories in the Bible that give us hope and that give us peace, God for the unknown stories, for the unknown characters and all these stories that give us that hope that, God, one day we can see you. Lord, I just thank you so much for the opportunity that I can once again bring your word to my friends here at Bethel Temple. I love them. I cherish them, God. I pray for any of the body that is sick tonight, God. I pray for uh, Brother Montgomery who's dealing with so much. I pray that you will be with him. God, I just pray, Lord, that you will be a pastor and Sheila as they travel. Lord, I pray over this body, God, as we go home, Lord, send us home, give us a good night's rest, and bring us back on Sunday ready for a new encounter of you and your Holy Spirit. God, I love you, and I thank you for the miracles in my family's life and for our church. I thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I'm done a little early. <laughs> uh,